there's any reason for alarm bells, you know, for for any result that comes up in February. But it looks like the Leafs and Bruins are ticketed for a first-round playoff series, and you really got to like the Bruins' chances if they play against the Leafs the way they did last night. They were pretty impressive, were they not? Yeah, they looked awesome, I thought, and even more impressive considering Brad Marchand wasn't playing. But the Leafs were on, like, a six-game winning streak against them uh, just before that game. So, you know... It felt like Boston kind of had that we need to beat these guys finally mentality. It was a home game, and uh, they were ready for it. With the deadline coming up in about three weeks, was there anything that stood out to you about the Leafs last night and, and how they matched up with Boston that, that makes you think we should be the Leafs should be looking for X, Y, or Z at the deadline to try and bolster themselves to match up a little bit better with the Bruins, considering it seems very likely that they're going to play each other in the playoffs? Well, I think in an ideal world, it always goes back to they need another defenseman, like a top four guy, like someone who's really going to move the needle. That would be like a Chris Tanev or Nicholas Jarmusen type player. But, I mean, ultimately, if you look at that game, the Leafs' best players did not play well. Like, Matthews wasn't good. Nylander wasn't good. Marner wasn't good. Like, if those guys aren't going to perform and step up, then it doesn't really matter who they acquire. Like, they need their best players to be their best players. Well, without question, you know, <clears throat> Anthony, I know the, the big consensus always is when you get into trade deadline talk, and it's only going to heat up as we get closer to it, is are you a buyer or a seller, buyer or seller, and everybody wants somebody to do something. If you're out of it, you got to sell off your assets. If you're going for a, you know, a playoff spot, you got a chance, you got to buy. The very unpopular thing to do is nothing. But sometimes nothing is the best thing to say, and sometimes even better, nothing is the best thing to do. And I'm not saying the Leafs don't do anything. You always want to try to improve your team. This is a year and a half since the team was dead last in the NHL. If there's one guy that could get you into a Stanley Cup final, but I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. So I kind of caution Leaf fans who are all waiting and watching that trade deadline show to be cognizant of the fact that I think the Maple Leafs would be kind of content just to say, you know what, we've come a long way. We got some pieces. Our young players are still our best players. Best days to come. We're going to sit on the sidelines. And I know people don't want to hear that, but sometimes I think that's the best thing to do. Yeah, I think this week it kind of, you saw the roller coaster of Leafland a little bit because they looked really good against the New York teams, and I was like, oh, wow, these guys are awesome. Like, we need to keep adding. And then it was like a bit of a reality check against Boston. The the truth is, the way the division format works is the Leafs would be slated to have to go through Boston, who I think is third in the league right now, and then they'd have to go play Tampa, who's first in the league. And that's before they even get to the conference finals, let alone the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. That's a really, really hard ask. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> That's probably my biggest beef with the new format. Maybe it includes more teams in, in the playoff push, but when push comes to shove, sometimes the best teams go up against each other a little bit prematurely in the playoffs. But as Raj was saying, let's say the Leafs stand pat, do nothing, and, and their current roster is what they're going forward with You know, come the end of February. Was last night, in your mind, the optimal lineup? And I'm focusing in on the blue line. We know the core four on the blue line is pretty much set in stone, but would would a Carrick Dermot third pairing be ideal in your mind going forward? Or do you think there could be maybe it's Borgman instead of Carrick or, or Der, maybe Dermot's not in? What do you think is the ideal third pairing uh, for that Leafs uh, blue line? I'd actually like to see 
see a little bit more of Justin Hall just to kind of see, you know, not expecting to be a goal-per-game player the rest of his career. But just, uh, honestly, I thought he was good in preseason. Like, I remember watching him in preseason, and he was steady. And, um, you know, he's not he's not going to wow you or anything, but he, he, he's big, he's mobile, he breaks the puck out well, he has some patience with the puck. Um, he's an all-star this year in the NHL. Uh, so, you know, you kind of like connect those dots and I'd be curious just to see what he looks like. Uh, I do think they'll eventually go back to Polak. I think, you know, when the, it all settles at the end of the day, that's my guess as to what they do, but I'd be curious to see what a hole looks like. Otherwise, that lineup was pretty close to like what they can do, um, you know, optically speaking. And the tough thing is, is you have that Bergeron line for the first round of the mat of the playoffs and like that's probably the best line in the league and the Leafs don't have like it's a tough ass to ask Matthews to go against them for a full series with the Newlander and Hyman line but I'm not sure that they can really change that around at this point. Anthony Petrielli is with us from Maple Leaf Hot Stove. I'm Roger Lejoie with Josh Goldberg. Sportsnet today on the Sportsnet Radio Network on this Super Bowl Sunday. And so glad you're along with us. Yeah, I, I like the lineup, guys, that, that was on the ice last night from the Maple Leafs perspective. And I think the tinkering of the fifth, sixth defenseman, I, I don't want to diminish it. But, I mean, whatever. I guess, yeah, Polak's a little bit more of a veteran, no matter how you feel about him, in and out of the lineup. But they are what they are now. So let's center on the fact of, you know, what the, you know, expectations should be with this team. And Josh made a good point about Austin Matthews. Still a great player, has accomplished so much, going to be a star in this league. But the pushback against the Kopitars, uh, the Bergerons, the, the tough grinding stars that get, you know, stay in his face the entire game, maybe not quite there yet. So a season and a half into his career, and you even mentioned, Anthony, the best players were not their best players last night. Can we expect another level from these guys, Matthews, Marner, this season to meet that challenge when you get, yes, it's a tough ask, ask to, to beat Boston and Tampa Bay, but getting to the third round of the playoffs is a tough, tough ask every year. Maybe this team is just not going to be ready yet. Yeah, and the player I don't think necessarily gets talked about enough in that whole thing is, for me, down the stretch last year and in the playoffs, I thought I actually thought Newlander was their best player. Yeah, like, I thought he was really, really good after the trade deadline last season, and uh, he definitely has another level. Like he, he can be so much better. He's for me like the overall like package of like shot, speed, hands, passing ability. Like I actually don't know if um, the other two have them in terms of all of that entire package. So he definitely has another level. Like they all, all three of them do, especially compared to to last night. And the switch for Marner has been really good going up with Kadri and and Marlow. That line. It's just been a huge improvement over Komarov there. Um, I think it's elevated Marner's game because, um, you know, Kadri and, and Marlowe have just been much better than, than JVR and Bozak so far this season. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think those guys will pick it up. I wouldn't pick the Leafs to beat Boston in a series, but I don't think it'd be a four or five game series either. Like the, the Leafs, will, you know, they have some pride. The, the guy who stood out to me last night in, in a negative sense, and it's not necessarily fair to, to hone in on one guy because the entire team, for the most part, was pretty terrible, was uh, Ron Hainsey. I know he had missed a couple of games uh, with the flu, 
But he comes back and, and looked pretty slow. He played less than 18 minutes, which is well below his uh, over 20 minutes, almost 22, 23 a night. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about how he's going to hold up over the second half of the season because, you know, you're talking about a guy who's going to be 37 years old in March. Uh, playing a lot of minutes in a lot of high leverage situations. Uh, do you think that even underscores needing more depth on the blue line just to kind of give him a bit of a breather down the stretch and not have to rely on him for so many minutes so he's as fresh as possible as one of your top pair Ds come the playoffs? Yeah, and I think that's kind of why I circle back to Polak in the back of my mind and not because I think Polak can replace him, but I think like they've played Hainsey so much on the penalty kill in particular. And those can be like really grinding minutes. Like you have to be very detailed on the penalty kill. Like you're in shooting lanes all the time. Like it's always a battle in front of the net. Like it's hard as a defenseman to play on the penalty kill. Um, so I feel like they'll eventually just end up like putting Polak back in and evening out some of those PK minutes a little bit or as best they can. The interesting thing I thought about just Hainsey getting inserted back in the lineup and just the general top four defensemen back in the group is they go off the glass a lot more than a bunch of these Marlies and kids that they've called up. Like, uh, you know, whole character, like those guys try to make plays and, and Zaitsev and Hainsey are very default off the glass and out. And we saw it burn them actually on the first goal, uh, that Boston scored. And it was, it was a fluke play. Like it hit the, it hit Stanchion or the glass piece and it bounced and it was a strange play. But, uh, you know, bigger picture, like the Leafs were, it was hard for them to transition yesterday. And that's just how their group plays with their top four. That's indeed the case. So, you know, Anthony and uh, Josh, I was talking about the Bruins and how they've kind of surprised people by, by how good they are right now and they're good they're like vegas i mean you know this stretch is so long now my goodness boston is a team i thought was past its best due date last year the year before and they've got that mix though with with chara and bergeron bergeron is only about 32 33 but you know you hope the young players like charlie mcavoy develop quickly while your old guys are still there and you got the perfect mix so it is what it is with them the Leafs are a little different. Their best players are still their younger players. So instead of, and what we start the discussion in all the time, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, we haven't talked about Marner yet, but the younger players, these guys who they're playing on defense, does the focus onus, if I can use that word a little bit, still go with JVR, Marlowe, Marlowe in particular? He's playing very well, don't get me wrong, but they brought him in to be that piece, to be that veteran guy, to have to expect a bunch of 20 to 23-year-olds to completely carry you. How about the supporting roles of veterans? Are they doing, we talked about getting to another level. Marlowe, JVR, Kadri. Should we not be expecting even more from them? Yeah, I think we absolutely should. And I think part of what happened last night is Boston got to control the matchups and they put Bergeron against Matthews, whereas when the Leafs play them in Toronto, it's always Kadri against Bergeron and that kind of frees up the Matthews line and Kadri seems to do a reasonable job, at least against um, the Bergeron line. And the other thing too is, I mean, the the goal passer next scored on the power play was it was a bad goal. Yeah, like you know, Anderson's been really good this year. I think he's been their MVP. Like that was a bad goal in a big game at not an ideal time to do it, and that like that hurt them quite a bit. And at least have tried to kind of like supplement the group with veterans, right? Like they brought in Hainsey, they brought in more. Um, I'll be curious to see what they do with JVR. Just I, I don't think he's like 
that veteran, like, take charge kind of guy. And Babcock doesn't play him like he is. And um, he always seems to reduce his ice time and big games or big moments, which kind of just tells you what he thinks of him in general. Um, and Marlowe's a bit interesting because Marlowe doesn't really, like, you know, you don't see him have the puck on his stick much. Like, he could go a whole period with, like, barely touching the puck. But he has a good shot. Like, he's crafty out there. Like, he knows how to position himself. He's good defensively. Um, but he doesn't actually have the puck, like, pretty much ever. I think that's why he's a good fit with Kadri and Marner, because those two like to dominate the puck. But um, I'm not sure we can ask for, like, much more than him. He has, like, 17 goals this year. So he'll make a push for, like, 25-30. Um, I don't know if he's better than that at this point. Before we let you go, uh, watching the broadcast last night on Hockey Night in Canada, there were some uh, rumblings that Josh Levo had a, a sit-down with Lula Morello and basically said, I'd like to be put in the lineup or I'd like to be traded. So assuming he's not going to get put in the lineup, which at this point is a pretty fair assumption because he hasn't been in the lineup in quite some time, uh, do you really think that, that Lou is going to cave to that sort of, I don't want to call it a demand, but for argument's sake, let's, let's call it a demand, or do you think they're going to let him just kind of play out the season as is in his current role and then reassess in the offseason and, you know, maybe a, te- a young team that could use some third-line offensive touch uh, maybe gives you a little bit more uh, in a trade than you'd get right now. Well, I don't think Lou has to do anything, and that's Levo's fault because he decided to find a contract extension. Mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, that contract extension was confusing for him, like him personally. The Leafs have made total sense. Let's keep this like pretty good player at a pretty good price. He's young. He, you know, he seems to do well when he gets in the lineup. But like, Bebo was barely playing. I, I don't know why he signed that deal. But in doing that, Lou can do whatever he wants now. Like he put himself in that situation, and I wouldn't give him away for free just because he's not playing and just because he, you know, demanded a trade. At best, I would look at it in the summer, unless you know, for some reason, you got a good offer for him, which. How likely is that right now? If someone offered you a third-round pick for Josh Levo, like, what's the point if you're the Leafs? Yeah, well, and what's the point for the other team as well? Because with all due respect to Josh Levo, he hasn't played much. It's still an unknown commodity. I don't think anybody's chomping at the bit, chomping at the bit, waiting for Josh Levo to get into their lineup either. So, tough spot for him, but part of life in, in hockey. Anthony Petrielli joining us from Maple Leafs Hot Stove as the Bruins beat the Leafs 4-1 to last night. Anthony, appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys.